You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. I was in McDonald's uh, a long time back. And uh, I got a Egg McMuffin, cup of coffee, and when she, when she gave me the amount, I thought, well, well, that doesn't sound right. And I even said something. I said, I don't, I don't think that's right. She said, oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it was cheaper than what I thought. And uh, so I pulled out and paid for it, took the receipt, and looked down there and said, senior coffee. <laughs> I don't want to save money that much. <laughs> I would rather them uh, just... Let me get mad because they overcharged me. I uh, have not been wearing my contacts lately. I'm, I'm wearing glasses. And the reason being is because I have, I have a lot more trouble reading. So my glasses have bifocals. Okay. Now I've heard the elderly, senior adults uh, tell me uh, a lot of things that would come as I progress through life. And one of them would be that I would actually eventually go to bifocals or reading glasses. And they said, now, when you go to bifocals, if you go to the kind, these are the cheap ones, okay? If you go to bifocals, then get ready because you're going to have problems navigating going down steps. A while back, Sheila, I'd gone up our little spiral staircase up into what used to be the kids' room, and I was on my way back down, and she heard all of a sudden this loud commotion and me sliding back down the, you know, and uh, I think Jeffrey did it one time, or ledge, and put a foot through the wall, so that's never been fixed. But, but anyway, I came tumbling back down the staircase and everything else, and I wasn't cussing, but I tell you what, I was mad. Uh, and the reason being is because I've discovered something that bifocals greatly change how you navigate walking. Okay? And in this series, you may wonder, well, where are you going, Pastor? Well, you know, 2012, we devoted to the family. And so the next two or three sermons are going to be talking about the senior years, those senior adult years. And and I want you to know something. As your pastor, those years are are pretty difficult. Um. You know, I used to hear senior adults talk about going to, getting up, going to get something and forget what they went looking for. Oh, my. I walk into a room, I stand there for a minute and think, now what did I come in here for? I'll talk out loud. I figure maybe God will help me figure it out. But I want you to know something. I want every young person to look this way. If you're lucky... If you've uh, lived your life in accordance, accordance with the Word of God, if you've taken care of your health, if you've done some of these things, like the Bible says, obey your parents and honor your parents that you may have a long life, if you're blessed, then you'll have the opportunity to experience some of these things. Because I can tell you that a lot of people don't. And I want you to know something. It's tough getting old. There's nothing fun about it. I told my dad the other day, I said, Dad, you know, I enjoy 
Uh, I enjoy being around college kids and, and young people. I, I enjoy it. I said, I feel like I'm still about my college age. I know my dad wanted to look at me and say, son, you don't look like it. I want you to understand something. Sooner or later, every single one of you, if you are lucky and blessed by God, you're going to have the privilege of getting old. And it's, it's different. I read, I read the story of a woman who went to the doctor. One of her family members carried her to the doctor and she was sitting in the, do- in, the, in the examination room and finally the doctor came in and he looked at, at the woman's daughter and he began to carry on this conversation with the daughter and finally the senior adult woman, the woman looked and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. She said, doctor. She said, can I ask you a question? She said, well, of course you could. He was sitting there with his clipboard and his arms crossed with his back, with his back turned to her. And, but he turned around and looked at her and she said, can I ask you a question? She said, when you do a crossword puzzle, doctor, she said, do you do it in pen or pencil? He looked for a minute and kind of laughed. He said, well, I, I do it in pencil. She said, I do mine in pen. Now you turn and talk to me. It'll take a minute for some of you to get it because you're that slow. It's coming. You see... We live in a society today that seems to not have much respect today for getting old. We don't even like it. We don't even want to talk about it. And so today I want to talk to you, and I'm I'm going to be talking to to young people today, and I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now I want you to know something out of all the Bible. I love 2 Corinthians. Man, I love 2 Corinthians. Because 2 Corinthians is a book that we get the closest resemblance of an autobiography of the life of the Apostle Paul. It is a fascinating, it is a fascinating book. Whenever I'm kind of struggling and I just need something to encourage me or I'm just trying to figure out what I want to read in the Bible, I always go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And I want you to take 2 Corinthians and go over to chapter 4 and we're going to pick up at verse 7. Because Paul is in his 60s. He is a senior adult, and he's very much a senior adult in New Testament times. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's been tough with them in that first letter. He's he's been dealing with a lot of problems in the church at Corinth. And so 2 Corinthians, in some ways, it's a kinder letter from the Apostle Paul. And here Paul begins to open up about his own life. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, Paul said, but we have this treasure. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the deposit, God's Holy Spirit. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for the sake of Jesus so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us. Now you need to remember that, young people so that death is in work in us, but life is in work in us as well, in you, in us. 
It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Now this verse 16 is the critical verse today. Paul said, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, do you see it? Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we love you and we give you all the glory and honor. And Lord, we pray that our hearts would be sensitive to what you may be saying to us today in these in this passage. We thank you, dear Lord, for our worship. We thank you for the power of it, the passion of it, the urgency. We thank you, dear Lord, for the excitement that we feel as we sing and, and talk about your mercy reigns. Oh God, when we sing about your mercy and your grace, it encourages us and strengthens us. When we talk about the love and, and a love that nothing can separate us from that love. But dear Lord, we pray now that we would examine our hearts. That you'd cause us to take your word like a surgeon. That the word of God would cut deep. That it would do surgery on us. Let us not walk out of this place like we came in to it. Let us walk out of here changed and different. Forever shaken by what we've heard today. And we'll give you the glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Paul makes, if you look at verses 7 through 12, Paul talks about this. Paul says, listen, I understand that my body, my fleshly body, which in Paul's case was in his 60s, Paul said this, I understand that I'm getting old. Okay? I understand that. I want you to see that there are two things that Paul says in verses 7 through 12. One is this. Paul said, we are all dying. You know, as much as we enjoy a birth, the birth of a child, as much as we get excited about that, and we go to that window and we look at that new baby, and we've got several women that will soon be new mamas, and we've got people that will be new parents. Josh and, and, and Betsy are new parents. But when we look at that baby, there's something we need to remember. At the moment you and I are born, we begin to die. Wow. Automatically, the body begins now this process of dying. Paul uses that word there. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. He uses the idea not of maturing, but he uses the word there in the Greek of decaying. Paul said, outwardly, we're decaying. I read an article by a doctor who was talking about organ donations and how when somebody donates an organ, how critical it is and how important it is that they slow down this 
dying process in this organ because the doctor said this. He said the body is a strange thing. He says when you and I die at the moment of death, he says it's as if the body starts shutting down everything at molecular level and everything all of a sudden it's like the body is just packing up its suitcases it's just stowing away its gear the bible says paul said it's like a tent being disassembled it's being taken down and this doctor said this when you have an organ he said time is of the essence because you're fighting this 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 movement that's taking place in the body that the body in essence is packing up and getting ready for a departure and that's exactly what Paul said. The time of my departure is at hand. It's like a ship leaving, it was like a ship leaving dock. And so Paul says two things. He said, number one, we're dying. And then Paul says, now listen to this senior adult. Paul says to you and I, and to those of us that are beginning to feel age, he says, don't lose heart. In fact, Paul includes himself here. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Isn't that great? That though physically you and I are growing weaker, age is setting in, and it doesn't mean nothing to some of you young people because you don't feel it yet. Oh, it's taking place. You just don't know it yet. Paul said this, he said, we don't lose heart, we don't give up, we don't give in, we don't retire, we don't throw in the towel. I love what John Piper says here. Piper says retirement is not about chasing a little white ball and collecting seashells down on the beach. If you are a senior adult and you've retired, you may be retired from your job, but you should be invested in the kingdom of God. Sheila said two weeks ago, and I wasn't here because I was traveling at that time, Sheila said when First Baptist Church Palem, uh, Alabama came here, she said what was fascinating, and they fed about 600 people. She said what was fascinating about it was how many senior adults were involved in every area of that ministry. She said it was fascinating. She said they were as energetic and plugged in and serving right alongside those young people. And senior adult, let me encourage you. This is the opportunity for you to plant your life in kingdom building. And so Paul said, he says, listen, we don't, we don't lose heart. It's not a time to sit around and watch soaps. It's time to pray. And then he goes on to say this, and I want you to see a couple of things. Young people, I want you to listen to this. I want you to take your Bible and take a left and go over to the Psalms. About the middle of the Bible, over there in the Old Testament, and go to Psalm 71, verse 9. This verse here really got me. I'll be honest with you, it really got me. It kind of shook me up a little bit. Psalm 71 Verse 9, I want every one of us, if you don't have a Bible, if you're a young person and you don't have a Bible, I want you to find a Bible or scoot over and be near somebody else. I want you to see this. Mom, don't you let Junior sit there oblivious to this sermon. Show them the Bible. They need to learn it now. Psalm 71, verse 9, I want you to see this. Are you there? Everybody there? Amen. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Okay. Listen to what the writer says here. The psalmist said, 
Do not cast me away when I am what? When I am old. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my what? When my strength is gone. Now let me read that again. Listen to it closely. Look at it closely. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. You see, sometimes senior adults give up. Sometimes the elderly just feel like, well, it's time to just give up. Listen, I'm 56 years old, be 57 my birthday, if God wills, and I want you to know something, sometimes I feel this. And so what the psalmist is saying here, he's saying, listen, he's speaking as as an old man or an old woman, and, and he's saying, listen, I just want to give up. And the reason being is sometimes senior adults want to give up because they feel unwanted. In the New Living Translation, it says this. In the, King, in the NIV, it says, Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. In the New Living Translation, it says, Don't set me aside. Don't set me aside. Don't set me aside. Because see, when we set something aside... What we're saying is it's no longer beneficial. It doesn't contribute anymore. It has no value, so we set it aside. Let me give you, if you're thinking about the ministry, let me give you the most, you want to hear the most frightening verse to your pastor? Ain't about it. It's not about hell. The most frightening verse in all the Bible to me is 1 Corinthians. I want you to take a left from 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Most frightening verse in all the Bible to your preacher. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Watch what Paul says here in this first letter to the church at Corinth. Paul's talking about running a race. He's talking about, he's talking about being careful. And in verse 27, Paul says this. He says, no. He said, I beat my body. Paul said, I bring my body under the discipline of the principles of the word of God. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave. In other words, I'm not, listen, I'm not a slave to my fleshly desires. I bring my fleshly desires under the lordship and the authority of God's will, God's word. I'm not subservient to my fleshly desires. My fleshly desires are being brought under the under the authority, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul's saying. Paul says, no, I beat my body. I discipline my body. I make my body my slave. Now watch this, so that after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified for the prize. You know what disqualified that word means? It means to be set aside. It means this. You know what God tells me all the time? He says, Jeff, I'm going to tell you this much. You you may be able to slip around and look at a little porn. It may take the Holy Spirit a little bit of time to bring you under conviction. You may flirt around with a relationship in the office or where you work. You may be one thing here and something else at college or at school. You may be able to get away with a little measure of hypocrisy for a period of time. But I can't. Because when I compromise the principles of God's word in my life, you know what God tells me? You know what, son, I'll do? I'll set you aside. 
The word there means to be a brick-brack on a whatnot shelf. You know what I'm talking about. Those little figurines that kind of around the house, what do they do? What purpose do they serve? Do they, they serve no purpose whatsoever. They just require work because every once in a while you got to do what? You got to dust them. You got to clean them up. Okay? And so what God was, what Paul understood was this. Paul was saying, listen, I'm afraid that if I don't live the kind of life I ought to live and I don't constantly discipline my body and bring it under the submission and the lordship of Christ, Paul says, I tell you what God will do with me. His messengers, his men and women of God, those servants that he calls into full-time ministry, God says, I'll just set you aside. I'll set you aside. This is the same idea here. You see, what happens to a senior adult sometimes is they feel unwanted, and the reason they feel unwanted is because they're no long, they feel no longer productive, no longer useful, no longer beneficial, no value to society, so we set them aside. We shelve them. We look at them as they're not hip. They're not relevant. They're not fashionable. They don't contribute. They're outdated. Their methodologies are all wrong. And the West is the worst we're the worst in the African culture. You go out into the villages of Zimbabwe, you walk up to a village, go-go-goy, go-go-goy. That means knock, knock, knock. You can't walk up there and knock on a door that's not there. So you alert the village, go-go-goy, go-go-goy. That means knock, knock, knock. And you'll say, uh, Mauya, or, or, or in my case, Dauya, Dauya Pano, I've come. The first thing that you would do, children and people might come around you, but the first thing that you would do is you would speak to the Sukuru and the Ambuya, the grandfather, the grandmother. You would pay your respects. You would walk up to a man, a Sukuru and Ambuya. In the African culture, the first thing that I would do, it doesn't matter at Barungu, it doesn't matter that Barungu, I'm a white man. Immediately my knees begin to go down like this. I begin to clap my hands together. And I say, Makadi Baba, Makadi Sukuru. And what I'm doing is I'm paying respect to that grandfather, to that senior adult. And I'm saying in a culture that values the worth and the dignity and the integrity and the experience and the history of their senior adults, listen, there's great value, there's great worth in that. So I'm, I'm, I'm out in a village and, and I'm going through all of the niceties. Did you sleep good? Mamuka said, did you wake well? I'm going through all of the niceties, all the time clapping my hands in a social respect for age. I go to Chitanguiza, a township right out of, out of Harare, Zimbabwe. Harare is the capital. And I see, I see young African men and women that are disrespectful and do not do those things in everywhere you hear the influence of America's culture. They're watching our movies, they're listening to our music, and what they do is they grapple with and they begin to understand that elderly people are not hip, they're out of, they're out of fashion, and we in our society, what we do, we put them aside. They're of no value. And so here the psalmist is saying, the psalmist is crying out, he's saying, listen, do not cast me away when I'm old, do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Don't shelve me. 
And you may say, why? In Psalm 51, and, and really it's taking a little bit longer than I thought, but in Psalm 51, in fact, just, just look at it. I'll be Mark Driscoll for a moment, preach an hour. Um, in Psalm 51, real quickly, because this is important. Young people, you need to see this. In Psalm 51, let me. the background of this is King David. King David writes this psalm. Now, there, now he writes this psalm. King David did some bad things. He was a man after God's own heart. But look, King David was up one night, couldn't sleep, went out on the top of his house. He looked over and saw a woman bathing. He was attracted to her. He pulled out the binoculars. They weren't enough. He told him to bring the telescope. I mean, he was really honing in on this. Finally, he looked at his servant and said, go get that woman, bring her to me. His servant said, wait a minute, isn't that Uriah's wife? I don't care whose wife it is. I told you, go bring her to me. They go get this woman. She comes. She sleeps with David. Listen, listen to me. Ladies, men, listen to me. Adultery is always going to destroy. Don't flirt. None. You want to give attention to a man, give attention to your husband. You want to give attention to a woman, give it to your wife. No one else. David, servant, tried to argue with him, said, isn't that Uriah's wife? Doesn't matter, bring her to me. And he slept with her and she became pregnant. And David begins to cover. He sends Uriah in the heat of the battle because he's the commander-in-chief. He's able to cover up. He's able to cover up. And he has Uriah murdered. He's, Uriah is killed in battle. And David says, wow, clear now. Sweet King David says, bring Bathsheba. Let her stay in the palace with me. Soon she's pregnant, very noticeably pregnant. Everything's going fine, sin's covered, everything's taken care of. And then all of a sudden one day, Nathan the prophet, Nathan the prophet comes to visit David. And he tells David a story. He says, David, he said, there was a rich man, had flocks. He had, he had thousands of acres. I mean, he had it made. One little poor family over here, they didn't have nothing. They had one little old ewe lamb. They raised this lamb like a pet. I mean, just like a kitten, like a dog. This, 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 look, this lamb, lamb would sit in, in the man's arms and eat, drink milk. I, I mean, you know, this, this, lamb, was, this lamb was like their, their pet, their, 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 like a member of the family. Rich man one day had a big, had a big party going on. He said, the servant said, we gotta, you want us to go kill one of, our, one of our sheep? No, no, no. I saw that little lamb over there. Why don't you go get that? They said, what? Yeah, go get that lamb. And so Nathan, the prophet, is telling this to David. David says, wait, you mean to tell me somebody would be that wicked? David jumps up, throws a fit. Man gets all bent out of shape. He says, I tell you what you do. You take that rich man. He said, they ought to kill him. And they're not going to kill him. They ought to cause him to restore it four times over. Nathan said, David, you're the man. You know what David did? David came under conviction. David was broken. David didn't blame anybody else. David said, I'm just wrong. David's heart was broken. But listen to what David said here because this is critical. In Psalm 51, verses 11 and 12, he says, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. In verse 13, here it is. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Do you know what the danger is when we shelve senior adults? When we don't have no time for them? Is we don't hear all the lessons they've learned in life. 
You know the stupidest person in the world is a person that will not listen. You see, sometimes, listen, I've seen mom and dads that, listen, had made a lot of mistakes, had lived an ungodly life, immoral life, but they'd turn right around and they'd say, listen, I don't want you to make the mistakes that I made. You see, when we, shelve, when we shelve the elderly, when we say, hey, you're not important, you're not of value, you're not of worth, and we need to put you aside, you're not hip, you're old-fashioned. What we're doing, we're not allowing them to bring into our lives the ability to teach us in order to keep us from making the same mistakes. Who was David's son? Who did David and Bathsheba have as a son? Anybody know? What's his name? Solomon. What was Solomon's problem? Women. 700 wives, 300 concubines. You think he listened to his old dad when his dad pulled him down close to the bed at his deathbed and said, Son, you need to listen to me. No. You see, young people, there's a danger. Why do senior adults give up so often? They give up because they feel unwanted and they feel shelved. And we lose because of it. But I want to say another thing here. Some of you are never going to be senior adults. Look at me. Some of you young people and some of you teenagers and some of you young parents, you're never going to be senior adults. Some of you young parents are never going to see your grandkids. Okay? Now, you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth and you can apologize to me at the door. Okay, you're, not gonna, you're never going to be a senior adult. Now, because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Paul admits, listen, we are in the process of decaying, we're maturing, we're dying, we're getting old. But some of you in this room, you're not going to be a senior adult. You're never going to reach your senior adult years. And the reason being is because you're helping the enemy with death. You see, in the garden, Satan said this, God told Adam and Eve this. He said, the day you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die, die. Physically, spiritually, die, die in the Hebrew. Satan comes along, he says, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. You see, our enemy, John 10.10, comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Young people, listen to me. Your enemy has one goal in your life. Do you know what it is? Outside of your salvation, if you're lost, he'll keep you lost. Do you know what his goal is? To kill you, to end your life. Some of you in this room will never become senior adults. You'll never have the problems of bifocals. You'll never have the problems of some of the issues that I've talked about with senior adults because the reality is you're working with the enemy to silence your testimony. You see, that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants you out of the way. He doesn't want you to listen to the senior adult. He doesn't want you to learn from their experiences. He wants you to make the same mistakes they made, only this time maybe he'll be able to take you out. You're not listening. You're your own man. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I'll make my own decisions. This is my life. I'll live it the way I want to. Yeah, you will. And the enemy just may one day take you out drunk on the, on, running down the highway or overdosing on dope or in your third relationship sleeping with a man or a woman who you don't know is carrying a disease that's going to take your life. Why? Because you told mom and dad, I don't have to answer to nobody. 
You see, some of us in this room, some of you, you're helping with your own death. You are going to silence your testimony prematurely because of the life that you live. Some of you are going to eat yourself into the grave. Because you don't listen to a doctor, you don't listen to nobody. You're either going to silence your testimony, you're going to soil it. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. They were ungodly, immoral, pagans in a lot of ways. They had a lot of things that they needed. They were the Las Vegas of the New Testament. Paul said, listen, you need to pull out of that lifestyle and begin to live for the Lord. A lot of times when I'm talking to homeless, when I'm meeting homeless for the first time, I've learned something. I never ask a homeless person how old they are. I never ask that. You know why? Because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Homeless people do not want you to ask. Do you know why? Because I've looked at homeless sometimes and I'd say, how old are you? I can remember times when I've been here at the door and a homeless man would look at me and he'd begin to tear up. And he'd say, Brother Jeff, I hate to tell you this. He said, but I bet I'm younger than you are. And he'd look like a 75-year-old man. Do you know why? Some of you, some of you amaze me. You'll sit here and amen me, but you're guilty. You see, the enemy is trying to do two things, young people. He wants to silence your testimony. In other words, he wants to kill you. And if he can separate you from godly influence, senior adults, those people that have learned the hard lessons of life, if he can get you away from them, then he's got a lot better chance of killing you, silencing your testimony. Number two, if he can't silence your testimony, he'll soil it. That's what he'll do. He'll just, he'll just, he'll just make a, he'll just wreck it. He'll just wreck it. He'll make your testimony where you can't share. You see, the world, listen, you may be a believer, but let me tell you this, the world will age you. If you don't believe that, ask homeless. You start living the way of the world, and I can tell you one thing, you'll get old quick. Man, it'll age you. It'll age you. Now, quickly, and I'll close. So some, of, some in this room, you may be helping with your death. Some of you are hiding from death. You've declared war on age. Age is not the enemy, death is. Let me repeat that. Age is not the enemy, death is. Well, I don't want to grow old. Uh-oh, you've got a problem. You know, some people say, man, it's tough growing old. I look at them and say, well, there's only one alternative, and I don't want that. You see, it's not just a matter of helping with your death. Sometimes we can be hiding from death. Death is the enemy. Not aging. We live in a society today that everybody's declared war on aging. We don't want to age. Man, we'll doctor up, dress up, we plant. Listen, I had a doctor a while back. He leaned over and we leaned over. He had plugs of hair stuck in his head. I thought, that looks horrible. Just be bald. And I thought, and God knows I'm getting ready to play for, pay for a few of those plugs. I mean, I was in Cracker Barrel uh, one time and, 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 and I was sitting there eating and a man and a woman, a little old man came in there. And he come in there just barely scooting around and a woman came in there with him. Now she was as old as she, he was, but she, her eyebrows were way up here. I mean, her hair, head was pulled back. I mean, she, she looked like, literally, you can tell when people do this because they have a smile that looks like the Joker off of Batman. You've seen it. They pull their skin back up here like this. They pull their skin and pan, you know, pin it up back here, and they got this joker smile, you know. And her eyebrows were up here. 
And she had been in the sun, she had been in the tanning bed too long. I mean, her, her skin looked like, like leather. But she thought she was beautiful. And they sat there at that table. They didn't have no conversation at all. And I thought to myself, there is no telling how much money she has spent trying to be young. Young people, let me say this, and please hear me. Age is not an enemy. If age is an enemy, then you're going to have a bad attitude towards senior adults. Age is a good thing. Hey, listen. But some of you young people, if you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't begin to listen, you're never going to be a senior adult. And all God's people said, Amen. Some of you are living for the world. Some of you are getting tied up in the world's things, and I can tell you this much, the world will age you. I think, let me say this, I think that senior adults are the secret weapon in the family of God, and the West hasn't any idea anymore. We don't, we don't listen anymore. Let me, let me, let me say this and, and hear my heart. I, just three things real, real quickly. Our enemy loves this fear of aging because it will divide the body of believers. Did you hear that? When we fear aging, it divides us as a body of believers. It's us and them. Us young folks, those old folks. And old folks can be guilty of it too. Us old folks, those young people. That's not it. We're a body of believers. We're the body of Christ, joined together by the Holy Spirit. Number two, our enemy would keep us from the wisdom of their years and their experience. You see, they have years of experience. They've learned some lessons, hard lessons in life that they can teach you and I. Number three, when you take the time to take your children and go visit a senior adult, it can be life-changing to your family. I had a picture sent on my phone yesterday. And uh, I, I wish I could show this picture to you because... Um, it was funny, this message came from Emily, okay? Now, I want to, and I, what I'll do, I'll do a little test here. Stacy, Emily sent this picture to me. What is it? A Coca-Cola and three Snicker bars. Okay, it's a Coca-Cola and three Snicker bars. Now, that was her, that, she sent that to me, and um, let me see. She said... One guess where I've been. And the clue was Snickers and Cokes. And I put down there, Miss Jeanette. You've been to Miss Jeanette's. Miss Jeanette Price, one of our senior adults. Why? Because when you go to Miss Jeanette's, you're going to get a Coke and a Snickers. And you're going to relax and you're going to enjoy fellowshipping with a sweet, precious senior adult. Some of you need to reevaluate your opinion of getting old. Some of you need to examine your life or you're not going to get old. Some of you young parents need to start visiting senior adults and allowing your children to be impacted by their lives. Let's stand with heads bowed and with eyes closed. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, nobody looking around. There's not a senior adult that I've ever met 
that wouldn't come back and probably say what I'm getting ready to say right now. They wish they had either given their life to Christ or they wish they had lived for Christ better than the way they had. Many of them would say, Brother Jeff, I wish I had my life to live over again, but I don't. So I want to ask you a question with heads bowed and with eyes closed. Are you a Christian? I didn't ask, were you a church member? I didn't ask what your mom and dad did. I didn't ask what kind of background you're coming out of. I didn't ask you where you live. I didn't ask you, did you pray a prayer? I didn't ask you, were you baptized? I asked you, were you a Christian? Hey, have you ever come to a point in your life convicted of sin that you invited Jesus to come into your heart and to be the Lord and the Savior of your life? Have you ever done that? Because I want to encourage you, if you want a life that will leave a legacy, if you want a life that's going to make a difference, then right now you make sure that you've given your life to Christ. So with heads bowed and with eyes closed, nobody looking around. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, then I want to invite you today to give your life to Christ. You say, Brother Jeff, how do I do that? You simply do it in childlike faith. Jesus said, except you be converted and come as a little child, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said this. He said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy, that are burdened, heavy laden. He wants you to come today. And so I want you, if Christ is speaking to you, I want you to pray a prayer with me. I don't want you to pray it because I'm praying it. I don't want you to pray it because you just think the person next to you is going to pray it. I want you to do it today because Christ is dealing with you in your heart. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. Lord, I know I deserve hell but I know that you love me. You died on that cross for me. And so right now, I ask you to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin. And this moment, Lord, I confess you as my Lord, as the master, the governor of my life. I thank you, Jesus. And I ask you now to take control of every part of my life. I thank you, Jesus. And pray this in your name. Amen.